Ecclesia, the Edah of God, who are called out with purpose and mission in their heart. And our job is really to see the flourishing of society and the flourishing of the world and see people's hearts set free with King Jesus and Messiah King. So pretty big gig that we're involved in, so never play it small is what I would say to you. And that's what I hope that you get out of this series, that we never play church small, that we don't want to just add it to our lives or add it to our day or, or try and work it around all of our lives, that, that there is something beautiful about it. There is something powerful about the church. Not just something, but it is powerful. It is beautiful. And it is God's plan. And it's not something that's a, a burden, but it's something that's a joy to be involved in this accelerating movement of Jesus Christ over 2,000 years ago that we are still on the move with the gospel of the kingdom and the kingdom of God is still advancing. And it's a beautiful thing to be part of. It's an exciting thing to be part of. And I just loved worshiping today. I just think this morning, somehow we got a picture of Jesus in the mix of songs. And uh, if you want more of that later, maybe God was connecting your heart in worship, we're going to just bring our prayer team up right at the end of our gallery and they're going to pray for you. And some of the words that they had during the prayer time today was rejection and the other one was just rest. And I think, sorry, I forgot the second one. Do you know what it was? Breaking chains, which is very good. So if you feel that you're burdened here this morning, that there's some stuff in your life that you just can't fix yourself, then there is a God moment available to you straight after this celebration where people pray, pray for you. But what I want to do right now, just quickly recap, and then I'm going to get into, we're going to go way back to our first week. I'm going to talk about what it means to be uh, reimagining people through the story of God and through prayer. So we, we kicked off. Um, about four weeks ago, we talked about being a redemptive presence means reimagining, that we reimagine our community, our culture, that not just our own ideas, but theologically reimagining, meaning God teaching us how to rethink things, God showing us how to look at society and culture, that we don't play small again, but God comes with, with his ideas. And, and that happens also through reading ancient scriptures. Scripture should fuel your heart. And what should happen in the ancient scriptures is when you read scriptures, you may come to this conclusion, me too, or in Dungannon as it is in heaven or wherever you live. That's the end goal of reading the ancient scriptures, that we engage with Jesus Christ of Nazareth, and we also say, me too, God. We want to hear the sound and see the signs of scripture in our society and in our community. I hope that makes sense to you. And then we talked about how that leads to repentance. Dream, dreams are dangerous because it usually starts in us. God shifts some things in our heart where we need to change our mind, change our thinking. That's what repentance means. So we, we change the way that we think. We change how we're doing life. God upsets to reset some things in our community. And we see it all the time, even living in a small place in County Tyrone. It is loaded with racism, sectarianism, poverty, all those things that God never imagined or dreamed of for your community, not what God designed from the beginning of society. So therefore, we need to change the way that we think. And it's up to us to be the redemptive potential here in Dungannon to make the change. Did you know that gospel is a very, very strong word? Sometimes we play about with it, and gospel means it's a signpost to point people to Jesus. Sometimes we see the word gospel as just this beautiful thing called good news. But in the day of Jesus Christ, gospel was two fingers up to Caesar and the powers that were, to the political and the military establishment. And so gospel is a strong word. It's a militant word. It's saying Jesus Christ reigns. Or Jesus Christ is Lord. And to say Jesus is Lord is to say Caesar is not Lord. The political powers must bow to the Lordship of Jesus Christ Messiah. That's what you're called to do. And I might just get brave in a couple of weeks and talk about what it means to be the church and how it engages with politics. Would you be up for that? A bit of politics? Through the lens of the kingdom of heaven, of course.
And then we talked about reconciliation. Brokenness in our society can be traced to broken relationships. You show me a broken system, I'll show you broken people. You show me a broken setup and a broken functioning community, business, whatever it is, and I'll trace it to broken relationships, people not connecting, people not in unity, people who are at odds with one another, people who are going after society and culture and, and consumerism, and I'll show you brokenness. It always connects to people. So we're not living in some ambience and some obscure sphere of like floating uh, lights in society. That's not what Christianity is. By the way, we are actively engaged in every sphere of society. Jesus is Lord. Jesus is Lord. And so this morning, I want to go back to the reimagining and carrying on from where Michelle left off last week. But as I do that, I'm going to quickly call on Sharon Murr, and she's readily available to come up, and uh, just to share just how she started to reimagine a couple of weeks and how that unfolded and what it looks like in her everyday ordinary. So this is Sharon. Welcome, Sharon. There you go. Well, just when it was the first week that Jason had been talking all about dreaming, and I thought, I wonder what it would be like to dream over my classroom. And I thought, ooh, that would be a bit scary. And they're only so tiny, they're only four years old, and so many of them don't speak any English. Um, English wouldn't be their first language, but I thought, yeah, I could do this. But then the more I thought about it, like I do so much, I thought, no, I really couldn't do it because it's assessment week, and there's so much going on, I have so many tests to do individually. There's no way I could fit this in in my week. So I said, yes, I'd love to do it, but I don't know how I'll fit it in. So this was the Monday, then the Tuesday went on, I still hadn't done it. But by Wednesday, I thought, I have to do this today. I have to do this today. So I got out a big blank um, page, um, very excited, but very nervous about what the kids might say. Um, so I said, right, guys, what, could, what would God imagine our classroom to be like? What would he really love in our classroom? Now, the first comment I really wasn't ready for, but one of the comments was, we, our classroom could smell of chili dogs. And that just wasn't what I'd first imagined. But as the quietness, you could so feel the quietness in the classroom and God's presence really real. So as I wrote, I, just, I was blown away. And I kept saying to them, guys, if you can't think of anything, just wait on God. And God will whisper those words into your head. So the first comment started after the chili dogs. Uh, we would all paint a rainbow together. God loves us all, a full entire classroom of rainbows. And what had gone before that, the sort of few weeks before, we'd talk all about Noah and Noah's ark and the rainbow and the significance of the rainbow that God really does love us. So that felt really real in my head. Then they said, we are all saying kind words to each other. So these are guys who really could not express words in September. So few words that they had sort of have sentences like this. I was blown away. It was only God. Um, other things like our class smells like flowers. Our class smells like strawberries. We are all being best friends and sharing the toys. A whole entire room of friendships. Everyone is our family. Um, and then the last we won on this one on, on the classroom, one wee boy again with a lot of behavioral difficulties, finding it extremely hard to express exactly what he wants to say. And he says, um, we all love each other. Our world can change with us. And then he quickly changed it and he went, no, God can change our world. And I thought, wow, to come from this wee boy who really found things so, so difficult. So that was assessment week one. Then Michelle spoke <laughs> the next week, and I thought, okay, I've done the classroom, what it would be like in our classroom. 
could they really think outside the box and think of Dungannon? Could they really dream over Dungannon? I thought, that'll be a hard one. You'll really push the boat out with the classroom. Could they really think of Dungannon? So I got another big blank page out and I thought, right, we're going to go for this. And I said, guys, you're going to find this really hard. It's the bigger picture. You know, when you go shopping to Tesco's and Sainsbury's, and I tried to explain it really well, I said, but those God dreams that we have in our classroom here, God loves to dream over our entire... So we started on the dreams for Dungannon, and again, I really thought this concept of our town and where we live, I thought, God, you're really going to have to help me here. So I said, really sit really still, and you could honestly feel the presence of God in the room. It was so, so quiet. And the words started to come, you know, and I, I honestly still can't believe that they were saying these things. You know, more houses would be needed for my week class, you know, more schools will be needed more shops would open, like only that can be God's voice in their wee heads. Um, lots of butterflies flying around, it will smell like butterflies. And for me, but I just love the whole concept of the butterfly and things starting to change. And that's how God comes in and just changes things that initially look so ugly to something so beautiful. So I thought this is God's impact to change our world. Uh, everyone would say kind words. Lots of birds flying in the sky. All the children listen to their moms, dads, and even their teachers. <laughs> Everyone would be sharing and being good. And then the last one, there would be lots of fun people in Dungannon. You know, that was just straight out of their wee mouths. And it just really spoke to me this week that how I try to fit everything into boxes. You know, it was assessment week, and you can't do anything outside assessment week. It has to be just assessment week. But God just broke into that and said, no. And he loves to just come into the awkwardness and the things that you hadn't planned for and how dramatic things can be and how God can impact in such a big way. Appreciate it. Fantastic story, eh? So good. So we are, I just thought that was so inspiring because you, you hear talks on a Sunday morning, but it has to go somewhere. This is a menu. What you, what, what you got to do with it then is eat from it. And um, that's what we're about, this application. And if four or five-year-olds can start to reimagine, I'm sure that we could maybe get our childlike faith into practice and start to reimagine our community. Some beautiful things there. And uh, I think probably Davy is most excited about chili dogs than anything else. So that sounds like the kingdom to you. Chili dogs, okay. Whatever the kingdom is for you, that works for me. So, yeah, so what does it mean to reimagine? And how do we take steps? How do we practically engage? And, and Sharon just unpacked that for us of just actually physically and courageously doing that. How we reimagine. How we reimagine. So there's a guy around 587 BC, Babylonians invaded Judah at that time. Uh, they destroyed the city of Jerusalem as well as Solomon's temple, which is a pretty big thing in that culture. 
this is the third of all of these campaigns. There was a couple of tries at it, so three times they're doing it. On the third occasion, the Babylonians took a number of Israelites. They took them to Babylon, and Bode M came out with a song. Do you remember that? <laughs> with the white jeans. I actually wanted a pair of the white jeans, but never got them for Christmas. You know the song? By the rivers of... Okay, okay, calm, calm down, calm down. <laughs> Bank holiday weekend, you all go mad. So, um, so after about 70 years after that first invasion, there's a king of Persia. He gives the Jews permission, go back, okay? You can go back to your city. You can go back to build your temple. And then under the leadership of a man named Zerubbabel, it's a great name. Why do people never name their kids Zerubbabel? Uh, these exiled Jews, they return, and they start to rebuild the temple, and things are good. But here's the thing. People refused. This, this is what society does and humanity does. They soon forget and turn away and refuse to do the things that God calls them to do. You can see that story right throughout the Bible. In fact, you don't even have to open the pages of Scripture. You can look at my life, your life, and the life of followers of Jesus. Sometimes we just forget. There's this amnesia about us sometimes that we just forget that God is good and has called us to do some things that cause this earth and Dungannon and Tyrone to flourish. So anyway, they, re- they refuse. They turn away from the from the things that God had done for them. And, and, and then things start to, instead of to flourish, they start to disintegrate and to become just, they, they give up the animal sacrifices. I'm going to talk about that in a minute. They adopted religious practices from the culture around them. That's why we're talking about being a redemptive society, a redemptive family, sorry, and community. It's important that we get that. We don't want to adopt things around us. It's so easy to adopt the religious practices. And you're probably thinking, well, I don't adopt any religious practices. You know, I'm Christian with a capital C, but sometimes we adopt stuff like consumerism, idols in our lives. We start to worship them. You know, we, they're not gold and they're not heads of elephants or anything else, but sometimes they're this. <laughs> so there are idols in our lives, and we, sometimes we adopt the practices of culture and the surrounding nations. So things become a mess. No, no kidding, eh? Meanwhile, back in Persia, there's a Jewish guy called Nehemiah. Nehemiah, maybe heard about him. He's heard about it, but he's, he's emotionally engaged in this because this is his hometown. So there's a connection for him there. It's just not some far-off vision that he's got. This is his people. This is where he grew up. This is where he was a boy. This is where he, he, he heard stories and grew up and was, yeah. And so he ends up with a pretty cool job. He's a cupbearer or a, what we would say now is a personal valet to a king. Uh, and not really a bad job, but a very dangerous job. Um, he had to taste wine and eat food. Yeah, you some jobs are, you can live with some jobs you can't. So, but uh, just to ensure that there's no poison, poison in the system, or in the water, or in the wine, or in the food. So Nehemiah, when he heard about Jerusalem, he felt something. He felt it from the very core of his being. He felt it so deeply that Scripture tells us that he wept. He wept, he was emotionally engaged, he was burdened, he's consumed, he's heartbroken. So it's not a casual concern. You know, it's not just some sort of strategic plan, oh, I'm connected to that, I'm connected to a king. I'm, you know, I'm, I'm some way engaged in this. This guy is not casually concerned, he's consumed and heartbroken for the place. God takes stuff that we know in our heads, I think, often, at least this is what he does with me, I don't know if it's your experience, he takes stuff that I know in my head and he puts it in my heart. Do you, ever, do you ever find that? Just some thoughts, some conversations that you engage with. And all of a sudden, it's no longer a head conversation. It's actually a heart 
thing that's going on. And you have, you're just thinking, what the heck is wrong with me? Some of you are concluding, am I having a nervous breakdown? Am I depressed? Am I tired? Sometimes God moves us so deeply to the very core of our emotions because we are a whole people. Because we're not just some bunch of people who are trying to work out Christianity in our heads. We are fully consumed and fully following Jesus Christ of Nazareth. Jesus is Lord. So what happens is that he... He takes the God stuff in his head, it goes to his heart, and then he's prayerfully on a journey of reimagining. And that's what I want to do with us. I hope and I pray that today that the Holy Spirit would come and take us on a prayerful journey of reimagining. He says this in Nehemiah 1, 4. When I heard these things, when I heard about the tearing down of the city, the, 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 how the city was, walls were, were just in disrepair, and it's more than just walls coming down, you know. It's just not just like some historical walls that they built and they were pretty cool and he's just devastated that the walls are coming down. This is everything to do with the infrastructure of the city. Do you understand that? This is to do with the safety of the city, the finances of the city, the well-being of the city, how the city flourishes. This is not just walls for the sake of walls and he's slightly embarrassed that the walls are in disrepair, right? Like bringing somebody into your utility room and say, oh, sorry, we're going to get this sorted out. Uh, that's not what it's all about at all. It's actually the whole flourishing of the city is at stake. Are you with me? Oh, thank goodness for that. I started to panic. And so the story of God is that the kingdom is to flourish. It says this, when I heard these things, I sat down and I wept. We talked about that. For some days I mourned and I fasted and I prayed before the God of heaven. He's pretty consumed. When's the last time, seriously, and this is not trying to put burden on you, but when's the last time God's consumed your heart for your community, your society, your politics, your, your health system, the well-being and the flourishing of your school system, your education system, whatever it was? When's the last time, and I've got to ask myself the same question, okay, so it goes, cuts both ways, actually, the question. When's the last time you were so consumed by the society situation, by the cultural situation that you wept, you sat, and not only did it consume you to pray, but it also consumed you to fast and to to seek Yahweh. That's pretty committed, right? Jesus is Lord. So the story of God really is that the kingdom is to flourish on heaven, in earth, sorry, as it is in heaven. This is a vision. This is a vision. That's when we look to the book of Revelation. It says, behold, I make all things new. What this actually means is we need to sort of try and rethink some of our gospel message. The gospel is that God wants to save the soul. Of course he does. He wants you in right relationship. He forms you for family. He doesn't want to populate heaven. He wants a relationship with you. Okay, so I sometimes struggle with mass evangelism if it's just to populate heaven. That's not the goal. God's goal is to form you in family and engage in community. That's the goal of being a follower of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, not to populate heaven. And so if we go the populating heaven route, there's no, there's no engagement, there's no relationship, there's no flourishing, there's no serving, there's no loving one another, there's no caring for one another, there's no showing up, there's no burden for society, there's no conclusion that what we do makes a difference. Uh, can I help you with this just for a moment or two? Maybe we'll just maybe go around this for a bit and see how far we get. So it's a pretty big gig, and sometimes we just hear it, and I spout it out on a Sunday morning, you don't really get it. So how we, how we think about it is that we live in the earth, and, and there's an earth space and there's a God space, okay? So imagine two circles, the God space, all that's good, all that's holy, all that's right. And then there's the air space, all that's crazy, all that's chaotic, all, all that's in chaos, right? 
So there's those two spaces, and we live on the earth, and sometimes we think that, that the God space is out there somewhere, so the two are actually separate. It actually helps sometimes because we can keep God at a distance. We can do the God part on a Sunday, and then we can do our work stuff, and our family stuff, and our politics stuff, and our finance stuff, and our buying, and our consuming, and everything else. So that's the two spaces, and we live in the two spaces. Are you with me? Do you like this? <laughs> So this is what happens. So two different spaces. And the scripture uh, talks a lot about these spaces overlapping. We don't so much. So that's why we talk about when we die, we go somewhere. And yet Jesus tells us, yes, today you'll be with me in paradise. In a, in a flash of an eye, we're with Jesus. But that's not the big picture. The big circle, the big picture, the overlapping heaven and earth part is when the earth Heaven comes to earth in Revelation 21. You can read that for yourself. And that's the crazy thing. It's the union of heaven and earth. It's the story of God. Are you with me? Sorry, I'm, I'm fixated in this side of the room. The story of God is the union of heaven and earth coming together. So that's why I mean that what, what we do is there's application to the material structures of this world. It matters. And so in the beginning, we'll go back to the beginning. They're way back in the beginning, there's this garden called Eden. Anybody ever heard of it? Yeah? You want me to tell you about it? And we always think of this wee garden, don't we? And there's this tree, and the tree's the devil, and the tree's walking around following the humans. Eat me, eat me. You know, it's a chocolate tree. Chocolate apples. Or as we say in dairy, toffee apples. Do you know what a toffee apple is? Yeah. Do you know what a toffee apple is? Yeah. Halloween, all that stuff. All the good stuff that Derry's known for. And so there's this, um, I've lost my way. In the beginning, there's this garden. It's a play, and it's just, it's, it's fast. There's rivers flowing in and out. There's onyx. There's beautiful things. There's flowers. There's smells. There's scents. There's all things happening. And what God has done, he has dwelt together in unity with humanity. And he's partnered with them. And he's asking humanity, sorry, I scrubbed these notes down this morning. He's asking humanity to partner with him to build a flourishing earth. Build a flourishing earth. Now, there is a problem. Humanity quite likes the idea of working with God and building a flourishing earth. And then after a while, they said, you know what? Hey, we're going to do it our way. Yeah? Frank Sinatra. And so they said, we're going to build a better earth. We're going to do it our way. You're sort of keeping things from us. And the, the enemy comes and the snake comes into the sea, which is a mystical thing. Uh, and he says, you know what? You can be like God. And he's really nonsense because God already said, you are in my image. So... It's nuts. It's crazy, crazy, crazy. So what happens is now we have the two spaces. We have the God space and we have the earth space. And then what happens then, are you with me? So I'm going to take you right through history here. We're going to go right through from Genesis right through to the beginning of Matthew. How do you feel about that? No, I'm not going to do that today. But let me just give you a fast sort of small piece of, of theology and history, church history and biblical history. Is that what happens is then we have temples. Those are now the dwelling places. We have temples. There are two temples. There's the temple. There's a tabernacle that moved. was a tent. And then there was the temple of Solomon, which we just read about being destroyed. And so what happens in this, the temples were decorated. Guess how they decorated the temples? Does anybody know how they decorated them? The pictures that they used? You want me to tell you? Just so that you get out in time. What happened in the temples, that they would... Uh, they'd be just so ornate. They would be covered in sculpture and paintings of flowers and trees and all these things. And why, why do you think that was? Because they were pointing to stuff. What were they pointing to? What do you think they were pointing to? Flowers and trees. The garden. They're pointing back to the garden when God dwelt with humanity. When the earth and the, the heaven space and the air space were overlapped together. Is this making sense at all? hope it's helpful in how we, how we tell our gospel story. 
And so then those this designed to make you feel that you're actually heading back to the garden. That's what it was done for. So that we're heading somewhere. We're on a journey. So at the center of this place was called the Holy of Holies. And that's a place where God's presence dwelt. And you've got to sort a lot of things out. But the problem is God's space is full of God's presence and God's character, which we sang about this morning, Psalm 103. God is gracious, he's compassionate, he's kind, but he's a lot more than that. He's holy, he's just, he's, he's righteous, he's good, he's, he's loyal in his love, and he's, 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 his overarching thing is that he has compassion for the world, not just for Israel. And so the problem is that we've got this space, and then we've got this airspace that's not full of justice, it's full of injustice, it's full of consumerism and murder and, and hatred and jealousy, and it's ugly, 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 all right? So how do we resolve this thing? So in the temple, what they did is they had these animal sacrifices. Is this boring anybody at all? No? Nerd alert. You okay? Good. So there's this animal sacrifice, and what the animals do, they absorb the sin. They absorb the sin so we can get the presence in action again. So we, we've got the animal killed, and the animal absorbs the sin, and it cleans the space. Does that make sense? Absorbs the sin, and it... It's going to be a long afternoon for you. He absorbs the and cleans the space. That's what he does. Allah, Jesus Christ of Nazareth. So the story of the Bible, all of heaven and earth reunite. How does it happen? Then comes the gospel of John. He who was in the beginning was God, Jesus Christ of Nazareth. And he made his dwelling place where? Among us. Among us. He's dwelling, placed among us. And so he, he, he sets it up. And he, this Jesus is now the, the space where heaven and earth overlap. He's now the replacement of the temple. Any of this making sense? Because he absorbs the sin and he cleans the space. But here's what I love about Jesus. He gives us this picture then. He, he, he's not confined to the God space. What does Jesus do? Have you read the ancient scriptures at all? It says that he went about from town to town and village and village, preaching the good news of the Jesus Christ is Lord. Caesar is not. Very militant. Very action-oriented. It's like, wow, who would like to be part of that? Yeah? Why do you think people join ISIS? Because it's bigger. Because it demands your life and your allegiance. And then Christianity comes along and says, say a prayer, take a chair, watch this space. Instead of occupy this space, the presence and power and the love and the compassion of Jesus Christ of Nazareth. Jesus is Lord. You're spoiled today, you know. It's only because it's been called the weekend I'm spoiling you. So Jesus goes into the sin space often. Have you noticed that? Goes to the unclean, to the places of disrepute. Because he is the temple. He's making all things new. Jesus is Lord. hope that you're catching the vision this morning. He is creating pockets of heaven and earth. And then he gathers his followers, those ragtag bunch of people. And he gets them, and they're watching things happening, and they overhear John the Baptist. Baptist wasn't his surname, by the way. It was his function. 
he was a baptizer, and they hear his disciples pray, and they get pretty impressed. Have you ever got impressed by people's prayers? Don't. And so they heard him and said, we'd like to learn how to pray. And Jesus says, okay, I'll teach you. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come. Your will be done where? On earth, as it is in heaven. And the penny slowly started to drop, and it is starting to slowly drop for us here in Dungannon. He told his followers, the kingdom will come. Now his will is to be done on earth as it is in heaven. Remember the scene, John the baptizer. You remember that when Jesus came, he's walking and he says, Behold, the Lamb of God that takes away the sin of the world. He cleanses the space. He cleanses it and creates this new space. Then Jesus dies. Behold, the Lamb of God. The animal sacrifice, he absorbs his sin, he cleanses the space. He absorbs his sin, he cleanses the space. Behold, the Lamb of God that takes away the sin of the world. No more animal sacrifice. No more going to the temple. No more hypocrisy. And no more getting ripped off by those inside. So Jesus is now the temple sacrifice. And the, and the cross absorbs the sin. The clean space and the power of Jesus is now in the space. So I hear you ask the question, when I die, which space do I go to? Well, like I said, there's a few times in Scripture when Jesus says, today, in the twinkling of an eye, you'll be with me. Today, you'll be with me in parts. But the bigger picture is this, the bigger story is of heaven and earth coming together. There's an overlapping. The space is now being made clean through Jesus Christ, Messiah. He has absorbed his sin and he's cleansed the space. And now what he does in Revelation tells us this beautiful picture, Revelation chapter 21 onwards. It's not mystical, it's not prophetic of some weirdness that some people come out with, like European Union and all the nonsense of the day. Yeah, it's not that. It's about Jesus Christ, Messiah, doing what he had planned right from the beginning. He who was in the beginning was the word. The word was with God, and the word was God. He who was in the beginning created all things, brought order out of chaos, and cleansed the space, and created the space for power and presence to become united together, when heaven and earth rejoined together. And therefore, the job of the local church is not just to preach a gospel that says your soul is saved, but a gospel that says you are now in union with Jesus Christ, Messiah, the living God. You are now in union with this wonderful, kind, consuming, powerful, uh, justice-making God. You are now in relationship with this most beautiful God, and he's brought you into relationship with family. And your job and my job is now to cause this earth and this space and this place to flourish and look like heaven on earth. Wow. Heaven and earth. It begs the question then. What is it you see? In your society, in your culture, in your village, in your nation. Or let me ask it this way, like Nehemiah. What is it right now that is awakening your heart to talk to God? What is it right now that's awakening your heart to talk to God? See, if you're just here to occupy a space, I don't mean Vineyard Church, Dungannon. I mean the earth. 
It's way too small. Way too small a thought. If you're here just to go to school, to be born, to go to school, to get educated, to get an occupation, get the pension, get the car, get the dream, get the holiday, and get the clothes, and get all the goes with it, all the accessories around that, that's way too small a way to live. If you're here just to occupy the space to get, then you've just bought into a consumer Christianity. And dare I say it, a secular Christianity. But if you get and start to reimagine the kingdom of heaven is more than your body going to a space someday, that we are called to cause the earth to thrive and to reflect the goodness of God, to, to, to reimagine and to build the picture and the reality that heaven has come to earth. When you start to gain that focus and that imagination, scriptural imagination, then it changes all things. It changes your Monday morning. It changes your approach to work. It changes your approach to relationships. It changes your approach to politics. It changes your, your approach to the health system and to our education system and to our, our whatever sphere it is that you're involved in, to your engineering, your mechanic, and your farming, your toilet in the ground, you're making all things new. When we start to see it through the lens of the kingdom of heaven, that God has called us to occupy the earth with the presence and power of Jesus Christ, Messiah, and to say to the political powers, Caesar is no longer our king, Jesus is Lord. That's the game changer. And therefore, it should erupt something in the very depth of your soul to reimagine. You're not a truck driver. You're not a factory worker. You're not just a parent or a pupil or an earner. You're a citizen of a militant kingdom. Dare I say it? I just have. Where Jesus Christ is Lord, where he gets your full allegiance. And when he gets your full allegiance, he gets your heart. When he gets your heart, he should capture your imagination. And you should think beyond the consumerism of Christianity and what it's become and start to think of the wider picture that God has placed us in this space. I'm repeating myself a lot. So that heaven overlaps with the earth. And that, brothers and sisters, is why application to the structural surroundings of this world matter to the born again, saved follower of Jesus Christ. Let me stop there this morning. Why don't you stand with me? Change your posture. I pray that your gospel got bigger this morning. Boring. It's so boring, isn't it? Isn't that what you say, Chrissy, sometimes? <laughs> Chrissy sometimes says it's boring. Church becomes boring when you're just coming to it. Don't come to church. Go cycle, watch Sky Sports. I know there's no football on the minute, but next week's coming fast. Don't come here. Join in the vision of the kingdom. Align yourself with Jesus Christ of Nazareth. Let him have your full allegiance. Bear his name with courage and humility. Walk in step of the Spirit. And cause the earth and the places and the spaces where you go to flourish and thrive. Because of who you serve. Because of who you love.
maybe it takes the craziness and the courage of a P1 or P2 teacher to open up the imagination of children. Jesus Christ did say, such is the kingdom. Maybe he meant more than the distraction of children being allowed into a space. Maybe it was more than that. Maybe it was more the fact that those who aligned themselves with the story of God had become hardened, political, consumer, violent, warmongering, gun-shipping people. I don't know, I'm just guessing. Maybe he meant more than kids occupying a space and, and not interrupting the church meeting. Maybe he meant something of imagination to see the beauty and the colors and the flavors and the smells. Interesting language from children. The senses. See, Jesus did once say that, or the disciples said, that which we have touched, that which we have heard, that which we have seen. Are you with me? Has your gospel got a little bigger this morning? hope so this is better than a five year plan the vision is the kingdom the king is Jesus and he reigns let's pray let's prayerfully reimagine let's begin the journey right now right here this morning this is the prayer journey that sets our imagination to the things of the kingdom this might seem wacky to some of you but I think it's the Holy Spirit as much as I can lean into him some of you are actually going to smell smells this morning. Your taste buds are going to be, uh, what's the word, tantalized? Is, that, is there such a word? It is now. That will tweet. No laughing is a serious business. Some of you will laugh. God will fill your heart with joy. <coughs> but let's just, just for a moment, before we go back into our everyday ordinary, before we start to cook and burn, make animal sacrifices, <laughs> before we pop the wine in this bank holiday weekend, before we just engage with society again, would you start the prayerful journey of reimagining? What does it look like for you? So let me, let me help you with it. I'm just going to invite the Holy Spirit to come. Come, Holy Spirit. Come, precious, wonderful Holy Spirit. Would you come and occupy this space in this place? Would you come and walk among us?